How do you keep up to date with all the news and trends in technical communication? That's the topic in this episode of the Cherry Leaf Podcast. This is the Cherry Leaf Podcast. Hello, I'm Ellis Pratt. I'm one of the directors and co-owners of Cherry Leaf. And this podcast episode is brought to you by our projects team. If you've got a requirement to provide some documentation and you don't have the resources to do it yourself, then we can help. Contact us at info at cherryleaf.com and we can talk about your situation. So in most careers, people want to be the best that they can be. And that involves keeping up to date with all the latest news and trends that are around. And if you asked the question, how do you keep up with the news maybe 15, 20 years ago, you probably would have got a similar answer to what you answer, would answer today, but there might have been some differences. So if we went back, as I said, 15, 20 years, you may have received newsletters in your email box and you might have gone to some forums to check on news and post questions. And you might have also set up some alerts in Google or Yahoo or have an RSS feed for particular keywords. But things have changed these days. We have many more walled gardens which aren't publishing information that's findable on Google. And so we have to adapt our strategies to keep up to date. So what I'd like to do is share with you some of the places that we go to get the news and also to, I guess, pose the question, are there other places that you know of that people should be aware of so we can share them together? And if you do have any ideas or suggestions in addition to the ones that I'll cover here, then do let us know, info at charity.com, and we'll include them in the next episode. One of the most popular ways that have been around for many years has been newsletters. And there are a number of newsletters that specialise in technical communication. There are newsletters from the professional bodies, like the STC, the Society for Technical Communication in the States, from TACOM in Germany and the ISTC in the UK. And some of them are online, some of them are paper. TACOM does a email newsletter and also sends out a printed magazine to people. That's one that we receive. It tends to be focused on localization and manufacturing, which reflects the activities of interest in Germany for technical communicators. And that's an interesting read. We're not members of the STC, so it's a little while since I've seen their output. So I can't tell you too much about that. The ISTC one, you get an email every month and it's a link to a PDF that you can access on the web. That's available to members of the ISTC and also non-members. And that has a range of information in it. It has articles, it has a blog roundup, news about meetings and so forth that the ISTC area groups are holding, company news for the affiliates for the ISTC. Those are the main bits that are there. We also have a newsletter that's available. We've been doing it since we began back in 2002. And that is one that goes out monthly to anyone that subscribes. 
let me tell you what is covered in that. In January, we had links to the most recent podcasts. And then what we recognised from the start was that we were never going to be able to fill up a newsletter with just content that we created. So what we do is we include links to stuff that's been written by other people. There's an article by Victoria Drake, who is a contributor to the Open Web Application Security Project that she's written on mistakes in software documentation and how you can fix them. We like to include research, if there's any that's out there, into trends around how people understand communication and information and things related to technical communication. We found some information actually on how the brain works. We found some research that showed or suggested that we should be careful about overloading people with more information that they can handle. And it related to a Dartmouth College study that provided evidence that the brain's visual system isn't actually representing what we see. Another thing we like to do in our newsletter is to include resources around things like style guides. And we found a style guide by a company called Splunk. And we've provided links to their style guide and also a blog post they did on how they came up with the rules that they've set in that style guide. In terms of trends, some of the stuff can be a little bit blue sky or for the future. I mentioned in our last podcast, one of the trends was Google's document understanding AI API. We had a link in the newsletter about that. We had a link to an article that Lauren Hackney had written about her experience of moving from copywriting into UX writing. We had a link to a podcast, another podcast, the MathSpeak Project podcast that we've been involved with. And also to some applications and we've come across a help authoring tool that uses Google Docs as the authoring environment so that people can write their content in Google Docs and this add-on will then take those documents and convert them either into PDFs or into web pages. And the final thing in our most recent newsletter was a link to something called a co-location dictionary and these are dictionaries that help you identify pairs of words that go together. That can help people that aren't necessarily native English speakers understand how to write in a more colloquial way. So it gives advice on things like what would go with the word idea or talk, the appropriate adjective or adverb. So bright idea or talk freely, the types of things and words that we say naturally as native English speakers, but aren't necessarily easy to understand if English isn't your first language. We also subscribe to some more technical software related newsletters as well, but those are the main ones relating to technical communication. So are there any more that we and others should be subscribing to? Do let us know. Go back 15, 20 years and newsgroups were a very popular way to share information. But that seems to be not quite so popular these days. There's a newsgroup on Reddit and there are a number of different groups on LinkedIn. Now I must admit we don't 
often go into the different discussion groups on LinkedIn, but there are quite a few with some sizable membership numbers. So they may be useful to you. I'll mention a couple of those so that you're aware of them. So let's give you some, some groups. There's the Content Wrangler community, which is related to Scott Abel's activities. That's got 14,500 members. There's the Content Management Professionals. That's got 37,000 members. The Technical Writer Forum's got 30,000. And the Editor Awareness Group has 7,000. What other groups are there? Well, there's one for documentation managers, which has nearly 3,000 members, an IT tech writers member group, technical communication in Europe. There is a technical publications and documentation managers forum. And there's a documentation and technical writing management forum as well, which has 25,000 members on LinkedIn. Agile technical writers, that's got nearly 10,000. And there's the CIDM, the Centre for Information Development Management, which has 3,600 members. Now, a lot of the activity that was in news groups and user forums, it seems has moved across into these walled gardens. So by walled gardens, I mean sites like Facebook and to an extent you might argue Slack, places that aren't findable by Google where you tend to be invited in. And another one might be WhatsApp. We're not aware of any activities within Facebook, but Slack is a popular medium for technical communicators. And there are some Slack channels, as they're called, that are focused on technical writing. So there is one for users of Madcap Flare, which has about 960 different members. And probably the most popular of the Slack channels that's out there is for the Write the Docs group. And that has 8,300 odd members. And within that channel, then there are specialist channels for different topics like using Jekyll or documenting APIs, different authoring tools, different geographical locations. The only downside is that if you are a Slack user or on a Slack channel that's on the free plan, then after 10,000 messages, the information gets archived and it's not going to appear within the search results when you search on a particular topic within Slack. So there's a slight danger with, with Slack that information just gets passed and potentially you might end up with useful information disappearing. So there's newsletters and there's forums. Another area where I guess information has moved from one place to another is podcasts. We've covered podcasts that focus on technical communication in the past. So I'm not going to make any recommendations of podcasts that you should listen to. But it does seem that podcasts have replaced some of the content that was previously have appeared on blogs. There are still blogs around that talk about technical communication issues. There's Sarah Maddox's blog called Feathers, and that's Feathers with two Fs. Cherryleaf has a blog. Tom Johnson still has a blog also. 
but it can be quite tricky to maintain a podcast and a blog at the same time. Finding the time to write the content and switch between the two ways of communicating. Blogs seem to be less of a useful resource than they have been before. Again, if you know of some really good blogs that talk about technical communication that you'd like to recommend to us, then do let us know. Another place where you see a lot of information that appears and then effectively disappears off the page, where there can be information almost on a daily or hourly basis, are social media channels. And in particular, the ones that seem to be popular in terms of technical communication are Twitter and LinkedIn. And on the LinkedIn homepage, you'll see different people posting information to a newsfeed. And depending on how many people you follow and how frequently they're posting, that will affect how much information you see in your newsfeed. Now, one of the advantages with LinkedIn is that it does encourage people who are posting to add hashtags to their posts. So that can make it easier to search on specific themes. Another place that uses hashtags in theory is Twitter. And again, the same issue with Twitter, the amount of information that you see depends on how many people you follow and the frequency in which they post. Twitter does try to push you to set the settings to something it calls home rather than latest tweets. If you revert it back to latest tweets, then you shouldn't be overloaded with too much information. But people tend less often to use the hashtag feature within Twitter. So the main way to control the quality and quantity of information that you get from Twitter is to select a number of people that you want to follow and, and track them, follow them. Now, in addition to the newsletters, the professional bodies also produce journals. And there are journals from the STC, the ISTC and TACOM. And they tend to be, certainly for the ISTC, they tend to have an academic orientation. They have tend to have information on how to do particular things, an authoring tool or, an, or a programming language. And they come out typically every other month or quarterly. And for the journals themselves, it's worth joining the professional body for your geographical location. Now, two areas where we haven't seen that much activity are YouTube and WhatsApp. Now, for some people, they use YouTube as a way of doing vlogs, video blogs about themes, but it doesn't seem to be something that technical communicators do. The type of information that you'll find on YouTube tends to be more webinar-based information. Recordings of webinars that have been done by vendors and then put up to YouTube. There is the Write the Docs podcast and they do the recording live and broadcast it on YouTube. And the recording is kept on YouTube. So if you want to see people talking and doing the interviews that are on the Write the Docs blog, sorry, on the Write the Docs podcast, then that is on YouTube. You do also see recordings from conferences or presentations, and that can be quite useful information. 
But in terms of regular information posted on a weekly basis, we've not come across anybody that's doing that. And as for WhatsApp, WhatsApp tends to be private groups, select groups where you're invited in for people to talk about different issues. It's popular with families and also very popular in political sphere and popular within groups within companies. But in terms of a wider group for strangers or working within the same field, we've not seen that being used as a channel for technical communication. But that may be because we've not been invited and it's all going on. I mentioned the recordings of webinars. Of course, you can subscribe and watch live webinars on platforms like GoToMeeting and the like. And that can be a useful way, although they tend to be primarily focused on a company that's promoting and marketing an application. And then there's also the most traditional way of getting information, and that's to talk to people, meet people, particularly in events, conferences, and meetups. And you can go to the meetup website and do a search on particular groups in your area, particular topics. And there may be a group that has that interests you. There's a new technology group in Richmond in Surrey, which is interesting for a variety of different topics, some tangentially related to technical authoring, some not. But they can be a nice way to meet up with people. There are area groups that the professional bodies arrange. So for the ISTC, there are area groups in Thames Valley and in Scotland and the like. And the conferences hosted by a range of different people like TCUK and the STC Summit and LavaCon and Mad World and TC World and the like. They can be a very good way of keeping up to date with what's going on. So that's all the places I think we use. So let's recap on those podcasts, conferences, online newsletters, forums, and in that we can include Slack and some of the Slack channels, blogs, YouTube, although there doesn't seem to be much going on there, social media in terms of Twitter and LinkedIn, printed journals, meetups, and that's about it, I think. Webinars, I, I said as well, didn't I? So those are ways in which you can get information on the news and trends in technical communication. And there may be others. The RSS feed, the alerts within Google and Yahoo may still be a way to go. Not one that we use now. If you know of other places, do share it with others. But I think that's all I can think of now. So thank you for listening to this episode. I think that's it. Speak soon. Bye-bye.